power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. Now entering the gaming grid. The latest gaming news, reviews, and retro culture, as only the man of tomorrow can deliver. And here is your host, Brian Sovereign. You wanted the man of tomorrow. You got him, baby. Here for another Gaming Grid. Just coming off of doing the episode around the PlayStation Vita, which uh, got great response from. Um, I don't think a lot of people knew just how capable that machine was. Not only that, not just how capable the PlayStation Vita is, where essentially it can play fucking everything, <laughs> you know, at least from like you know, six, some, most of sixth and fifth, fifth generation down, um, of video game consoles, but also that, you know, it like emulation is just again, from either nascent to non-existent for the Vita itself. I mean, for the PlayStation portable, you know, like there's emulation all over the place that works really well, but the Vita itself, not so much kind of like the PlayStation three, right. Which has been a real challenge, um, for coders to, to, to emulate. And speaking of something that's been a real challenge to emulate, uh, to this day, I still think it's a very real challenge, uh, is what we're here to talk about. And it's, it's in a similar realm to the, to the Vita, in my opinion, even though the Vita is a handheld console and this is a home console, uh, it's in the similar realm in that if you want to do it right, if you want to play its library, right. Um, you, I think you need to actually own a Nintendo 64. Now that doesn't mean you have to go out and buy cartridges. That's a very expensive proposition, <laughs> especially for some games. Okay. But having the actual hardware, having the original hardware, and there's modifications to be made to this. And we're going to talk about all of it. I am going to tell you how to set up the best Nintendo 64 experience that you can get bar none. But again, at the very least, to do it right, you've got to have the original console, the original base, anyway, uh, console. And I think this has become doubly important in 2021 when we're recording this. Um, as, you know, I mean, now the system's 25 years old now. Uh, in America, it came out, I remember it came out in September um, of, of 20 or of, of 1996. And I think in Europe, it would hit in 97. And in Japan, it'd be a few months earlier than that. But if you recall, and we've been covering them, you know, in the Nintendo Directs uh, in, in 2021, uh, or in the most recent ones in the fall of 2021, um, and now you can actually access it if you pay for it. Of course, I've recommended against doing so. But with the Nintendo Switch Online service, you can now play Nintendo 64 games um, if you have the expansion pack which costs an extra, you know, whatever it costs a year. And I just, I, I don't think it's worth it. But as soon as that went live, 
um, at the, I think it was the end of October of this year. Uh, as soon as that went live, the reports were coming in of just how flawed um, Nintendo's presentation of those classics, like Ocarina of Time, you know, and, and some others, uh, just how flawed that experience is playing the Nintendo 64. Um, now, I had said the only thing really worthwhile getting was the controller, you know, the, for, for 50 bucks. Um, but that was more, you know, to play uh, Mario 64 if you have Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Uh, and and I, I still stand, you know, by that by that statement. Um, and it's it's so funny that they did such a great job with Mario th- with uh, 3D All Stars with the presentation of Mario 64 and that. And yet and then they botched it up on 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 Switch Online. Uh, anyway, this this just goes to show. <laughs> and I and I believe me, I'm baffled by it. I don't understand how Nintendo, you know, like really fucked this up. But. You know, I mean, like, like there's problems with, um, like, like the fog levels, like all, all kinds of other things that, that just completely throw off the playability of a lot of these games. Um, and, and there's other issues too. Maybe eventually they'll get resolved. I don't know. Um, yes, the addition of sin and punishment, the first sin and punishment game on switch online, as I had said previously is brilliant, but what I'm about to tell you will allow you to do that play sin and punishment, uh, as well. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Now, I don't want to get into a whole history uh, around the Nintendo 64. Um, I already did a lot of that last October, so almost a year ago now, which is hard to believe, uh, or over a year ago now, I should say. Um, Last October, and I'll link in the show notes to it. Last October, I had done a Sovereign Top 8 of the eight greatest N64 games of all time. Now, I will say, because when you see that list, and actually I'll probably repeat it here, but I'm not going to explain them all. you might think that list looks a little weird because you'll say to yourself, wait a minute, where's Ocarina of Time? Where's Majora's Mask? Where's Star Fox 64? Where's Mario 64? Where's all these things? Um, and I explained in that episode that I didn't include those in, in the statement I'm about to make. I still stand by. I didn't include those because Nintendo has re-released them, not the Switch Online versions. They have done complete remasters either for the Nintendo Switch or for the 3DS, or even for the Nintendo DS, in the case of uh, Mario 64, where, you know, they're just, they're the best versions of the games, straight up. I mean, and and frankly, make them palatable, like Majora's Mask, uh, especially. Okay, so, so if you're wondering in that top eight, you know, if you go back and listen to that, and you go, wait, where are those games? Of course, I explained it in that episode. Uh, that's because... I don't think they're at their best. Like Star Fox 64 is brilliant on the 3DS, but point being, I don't think they're at their best on the Nintendo 64. That said, uh, can you do do well to play them in the setup I'm about to explain to you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You could. And it's going to be better than the switch online experience. Now, if you're somebody who just owns a switch, of course, it's incredibly convenient to have those games available on the Nintendo 64, uh, or I mean, have the Nintendo 64 games available on the Nintendo switch. And I understand that. And if you think it's worth the money to do that, I mean, that that's, that's on you. You want to keep it light. Uh, believe me, I get that. Okay. I'm, I'm a, someone who also likes to keep things, um, pretty light. I'm super particular in what systems actually I'm really particular in anything that I own. Okay. <laughs> like it really has to be something special for me to be willing to hold on to it. Um, because again, I, I like to live fairly light. But I'm very particular in what 
systems I will keep like an actual, like that I'll have an actual system for. And usually the only reason um, I will have a specific console comes down to that. It you know, there's, there's not great emulation for it for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, for example, I own, um, yeah, I used to own, like, I used to own a GameCube. Um, I've sold that, but I had a GameCube reason being at the time, like, uh, uh, you know, the, the star Wars games, the rogue squadron games, uh, two and three, they did not emulate well. And frankly, those are like the best games on the GameCube in my opinion. So, uh, so, you know, I wanted a GameCube, uh, for, for that. I mean, and, and now really, in fact, I was doing this, um, I was getting one set up for, for a good friend, uh, to, as, as an emulation station, but like, I don't even know if I'd go for a GameCube today. I, I would just, I would get a Wii, you know, and, and set that up because the Wii can play so much shit. It, oh, it, amazing. Um, you know, and just mod it and, and, and do the business. But anyway, so, you know, I used to have a GameCube. I don't have that anymore. Um, again, if I don't need something, I get rid of it. <laughs> okay. I only hold on to, um, you know, that which there aren't really any alternatives for. And in case you haven't guessed it, I think the Nintendo 64 is one of those systems. And there's a good chance that's always going to be the truth. Um, I hate to say that, but it seems to be so, uh, the Saturn, the Sega Saturn is another one where, you know, for whatever reasons, um, emulation, you know, even with a mister, they're just, it's just not there yet. Um, and it may never, you know, be there. Uh, so Sega Saturn's another one that I hold on to. The other is the original Xbox. Yeah. There's some great emulation going on, you know, with original Xbox and it has availability. If you're in the Xbox family of systems, um, there's some great, you know, backwards compatibility or re-releases or, you know what I mean? Uh, that, that have come out even in 2021. Um, in fact, I actually, though, I think they stopped them. Um, and that's great, but there's a lot of games, especially like games that are based on franchises and, you know, licenses and everything that I don't think would ever see the light of day on a series X. So, you know, the original Xbox, um, is one that I also hold on to. Um, and the original Xbox can actually be kind of like the, Wii, can be this amazing emulation station because really it's just a, it's a computer. I, I, and I don't mean like, yeah, cause all consoles are computers at the end of the day. No, I mean, it's, it's like literally just a small PC, <laughs> you know, right down to the IDE drives. I also still have a PlayStation two, partly because it just makes such an easy and great you know, PlayStation two and PlayStation one. Um, actually you can put all kinds of, you know, if you're using free McBoot, you can put all kinds of emulators on there as well. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's a system that does such a great job, uh, on its own, but you know, PS one emulation is really, in my opinion, perfect at this point. Uh, PlayStation two emulation is very good, if not perfect, uh, you know, at this point. So that, that one becomes just a little bit more, uh, about convenience just like 3ds and DS emulation is pretty good at this stage, but also it's just as easy for me, uh, to have, you know, to keep my, th my, you know, new 3d, it's actually a 2ds XL, but to keep that, you know, and have an R4 card that will let me play like every DS game ever, you know, <laughs> right off of the hardware, uh, which is really nice. So, and of course I have, you know, the Vita, which I did just did an entire episode about, and that's a system I can't ever imagine, you know, getting rid of now the Vita, like we talked about, can do the Nintendo 64 more or less. Um, but it does, it does run into some issues. Okay. So that, and, and that's, that's really, in my opinion, the state 
of Nintendo 64 emulation, whether it's on an Android uh, device, on a computer, what you know, on a PC, whatever. There's always just these little factors, these these little screw ups, these little hookups that you do, you know, or hiccups, I should say, that you just keep running into with this game or that game, and it just it makes it a pain in the ass. Um, and so having the actual hardware, like I say, I think is really the way to go with the Nintendo 64. And I can't ever picture really, you know, really getting rid of it. Um, I mean, there's other, you know, parts to this as well. I mean, a lot of people's computers, you know, you don't eat like, yes, you could just get a, a USB hub or something, but like they don't even have four ports if you want to do four player anyway. Um, also it can be a little bit of a challenge that we'll talk about. This can be a little bit of a challenge to find a really great Nintendo 64 styled, uh, controller that connects to USB. Granted, you can get adapters if you have an original Nintendo 64 controller. And if you have an original Nintendo 64 controller, um, you're doing pretty great in life. You got yourself some gold there. Don't let go. Because that's one of the things we'll bring up here is like the alternative controllers that you or you know, the third, the aftermarket, the third party controllers that you can get for the Nintendo 64. None of them they're, they're all, uh, how can we, should we quote, quote Spartacus here? They are pale shadow of, of the original of the N64 original, even if they get the design, right. Um, it's still, the feel is always a little off. That's what always excited me about, you know, the, the announcement more so than N64 games coming to the switch or to switch online. I should say, I'm fine with them coming to the switch itself, you know, in some kind of remaster form or something like that. Uh, but what excited me about that announcement was Nintendo officially remaking and re-releasing a Nintendo 64 controller. Now it uses Bluetooth. So, you know, and I know people have already been trying to get them to connect to, uh, to a PC to use on emulators with varying degrees of success. Um, I'm really hopeful that some company out there like Retrobit or 8BitDo will, um, you know, will come out with some kind of adapter that will work with the signal from, you know, the, the official Nintendo switch N 64 controller. Um, because that, that'll just be the Holy grail granted that can, you know, that adapter is also going to have to have uh, room for either. Well, I think it has built in rumble, so you don't need a rumble pack, but you're going to need something that connects the memory card to an official Nintendo 64 console. Um, because again, that slot is filled in. It's, you can't pop anything into the slot on the, uh, switch Nintendo 64 controller. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we will talk about that now, despite, um, a lot of games for the N64 getting re-releases in some form or fashion, either on the three S DS switch switch online, you know, however they take shape, um, or even on the GameCube, actually some Nintendo 64 games got re-releases there. Uh, there are a lot of games like I, I don't think, and I, I've said this many times, I don't think the N64's game library is actually that great. And I know that might be controversial. There are great games, but in a system that had a lifespan from 1996 to 2002, when the GameCube finally came out, uh, like, I, I don't think that there are enough great games, you know, for, for a system that's had that kind of life cycle. So, well, again, you know, a lot of the greatest games have had re-releases or there are even better versions of them out there for other systems. Um, for example, so in my sovereign top eight, 
the number one game or the list on the number one on the list was star Wars shadows of the empire. Now the PC version of that is far superior to what's out for the N64. Okay. So, you know, there, there's, there's situations like that where there are games, same with like rogue squadron, rogue squadron was better on PC than it was on, on the N64. However, this is not always true. Um, for example, even speaking of star Wars games, uh, star Wars battle for Naboo, an awesome, awesome game is actually is surprisingly far better on the Nintendo 64 than it is on PC. It should not be that way, but that's the way that, that it ended up shaking out. Uh, we're going to bring that game up again a little bit later, uh, when we're talking about accessories, uh, for this, but that's the, that's the situation. The thing is, is that even though there's not a large library of great games, some of the great games that are only on the N64 and will probably never see the light of day either on switch online. And even if they're there, it's probably a very imperfect presentation. Um, you know, or, or, or wherever there, there are probably a lot of, there are plenty of great games that are just only on the Nintendo 64 and that you'd have to play on the Nintendo 64. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to see Goldeneye, you know, on a Nintendo console again. Um, I mean, it might be, you know, different. Well, anyway, on other systems, but things like that, I mean, and like, you know, the first perfect dark and some other like, okay, they've had re-releases, uh, like, what is it? The rare replay series for Xbox. But unless you're going to get into the later Xbox family, you know, there may not be any other great way to play these. Yes, there's emulation. But again, a lot of times that can be a lot more trouble than it's worth and maybe, uh, you know, may run into a lot of functionality issues. So this speaks to why have an N64? Because just some of the greatest games ever made were released for that system. Enough of them were that I think it justifies owning one. Now, that said... It's not the most to, to bring an N64 to 2021, to bring it to today, to today's standards, shall we say? And when I say standards, I mean like plug and play, hook it up to an actual TV, etc. cetera, uh, is a slightly expensive proposition. Okay. Now we're not talking thousands of dollars, but we're talking a few hundred. That's for sure. And if you're just wanting to play like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Star Fox, um, you know, Mario 64 DS or, you know, Mario 64 or, you know, the, like the, the big five or six games that I think everybody thinks about when they think of the N64. Um, if you're just wanting to do that, yes, I, I think it makes a lot more sense to get the even better versions, the remastered versions. And for far less money, you can get your hands on a 3DS. And even like you know, uh, like I say, an R4 card that can play DS games. Um, and you could play all of those there. And it's a far better proposition than going through the process I'm about to tell you. But if there are those golden games that just don't show up anywhere else or are just that much better on N64 than they are on any other platform, um, then this is the way to go that I am about to describe to you. Um, I mean, and just for example, let me, let me list off some of the, you know, let me, let me list off that top eight that I did. Again, if you want to know why, Go listen to the episode link is in the show notes. Um, so number eight, I had Conker's Bad Fur Day. Now, this is a game that did get a re-release on Xbox after what? Microsoft bought Rare, um, you know, the games, the games company, the games uh, development company. So you've got Conker's Bad Fur Day at number eight. In fact, that's a game where a lot of people, and I talk about this in the episode, where a lot of people think that it was still better on the N64 than it was in the quote-unquote uncensored version on the OG Xbox. Um, then Sin and Punishment, 
which again, this is something with the setup I'm about to describe to you. You will be able to play in English because it was only released in Japan, uh, but it's easily one of the best N64 games ever. There's a reason Nintendo made it available on switch online at launch, uh, because it could almost justify the price. It's that good of a game you know, of paying for, for uh, the expansion pack for Switch Online. Uh, number six was WWF No Mercy. This is a game that you can play updated versions on PC that don't really have a whole lot to, I mean, there's a little bit of trickery with emulators, but uh, this is this is a game, I mean, a lot of people consider this to be the greatest wrestling game ever made, no matter what company you're talking about. Uh, and, like, people still update it, but now it's been updated so much like it's to the point that you you can't even play it like on a flash cart on on an N64. Like now it it's just it's so expansive you have to play it on a PC. Um but the original is still the original and it's fucking brilliant, you know, on on N64. Number 5 was Doom 64. Doom 64 has had uh releases on all modern consoles. So you don't really have to play that on on the N64 now. But boy, what a great fucking game. Uh number 4, Perfect Dark, of course, that is available in the Xbox family, um but brilliant to play on an N64 still. Number 3, San Francisco Rush 2049. This is a game that has gotten re-releases on many consoles, including the Dreamcast, GameCube, PlayStation 2, uh, I mean, just there's a list of them in the in a game compilation series called Midway Arcade Treasures, uh, particularly it was number three, I believe that it's on. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of ways to to play this elsewhere, and it certainly looks better, more like the arcade version on other systems. But it's definitely one of the winners uh, for the battle mode alone um, on N64. Number two was episode one racer. Um Another game where, yep, it's available on PC, you know, on PC. There's, of course, a sequel that I think is far superior that came out on the PlayStation 2, that being Racer Revenge, um, but easily, you know, one of the biggest games um, on the N64. And then number one, which I mentioned earlier, of course, was Shadows of the Empire, which you can get better versions of that elsewhere, too. And, of course, Racer uh, actually got re-released to most mod or to at least was it PS4 and and Switch um, in the past couple of years. So, you know, that, that, that's out there now, granted when I did this, they may not have been, but, um, if I were to do this list, I'm not going to do an update here, but if I were to do this list in 2021, it would actually be a very different list. Uh, partly because some of these games are available now on modern consoles with great remasters, which is the same reason I, you know, that, that the legend of Zelda games aren't on here and, you know, and star Fox and some others, um, like I would, I would definitely be adding in the two Battle Tanks games. I think both of those are brilliant. Both Battle Tanks and Global Assault are two of the best games ever made. There was another uh, James Bond game released for the N64, that being The World Is Not Enough, which I believe was only for the N64. Um, that game's awesome. I'd almost argue it's better than Goldeneye. You know, Goldeneye's reputation, you know, is is what it is. So, you know, people can get mad about it, but I, I think World is Not Enough. A, <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite Pierce Brosnan movie, uh, you know, of the James Bond films. But B, uh, it's also, you know, I, I, okay, so it's not as good as like Agent Under Fire and Nightfire, you know, and and uh, everything, or it was everything or nothing. The There was that great Pierce Brosnan, James Bond trilogy of games for, uh, for like PS2 and Xbox and so on. Um, but it's great for, for the N64. It, it, it's fucking brilliant. Donkey Kong 64. 
another game that for whatever reason has never seen a proper re-release, but I think it's an absolutely brilliant game. Um, and, and there's lots of other little titles out there, you know, like, like hidden gems, Jeff force Gemini, you know, uh, there, there's, there's plenty that are really worth, uh, you know, giving a look, uh, quake 64 would have been on here, but you know what? Like with the re-release of, of quake in 2021, um, it, like you can download for free quake 64 with that. And so, you know, I don't know that, that you necessarily, you know, want a Nintendo 64 for it, but at the time, uh, it was, it was really, really badass. Anyway, suffice to say, there are plenty of games that may never see a re-release. Like, I just don't think the world is not enough is going to see a re-release. I don't think enough people remember Battle Tanks. Fortunately, Mrs. Sovereign, you know, Ellen Sovereign remembers it and (laughs) she reintroduced it to me and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is great. Uh, so you know, again, these games probably aren't going to see the light of day and emulation may never really be that perfect. But what I am about to describe to you is absolutely perfect. Uh, I mean, pixel for pixel, you're in for a great time. And again, you don't have to buy the original cartridges. So first off, let's let's get into this quick. Uh, first thing you're going to need is, of course, a Nintendo 64 console itself. Um, these can be had for anywhere between $70 to $200, depending upon the condition that you want it in. Um, So I got mine some years ago, and I think I ended up paying around $120. And I knew that everything... And here's my recommendation to you if you're going to buy one. Look, all all you need is the console, and and hopefully it comes with the power cord, even though that's easy enough to get your hands on. Don't worry. Don't even worry about like the, the video cables, the AV cables. Don't worry about, you know, RCA jacks, any of that stuff. Just, just don't, if you're going to do it the way I'm describing to you. Okay. Don't worry about controllers because it's a 99% bet. You're not going to get a good one because you'll pay as much for the console as you would for an original Nintendo 64 controller. And from back then, those are the only ones you know, really, you know, from, from the nineties itself, those are the only ones worth uh, having. Otherwise you might as well buy, you know, a modern aftermarket controller. Also, the other thing you don't need to worry about now, if you can find one that has this in it, great. Um, One of the things you're going to need uh, is the expansion pack or you don't need it, but I think you're going to want it because if you want to play Donkey Kong 64. And if you want to play some of the other games that I've talked about, like I mentioned, San Francisco rush 2049 earlier, uh, these games really only work well and look good with the expansion pack. The expansion pack was this little, so you have a jumper pack that's normally in the front. There's this little door in front of the cartridge slot on the N64. And that's where jumper pack sits. Now the system won't turn on without that jumper pack. If you want to buy the system without the jumper pack, that's fine because you, you want the expansion pack anyway, and that's going to get rid of that jumper pack. The expansion pack takes the, the RAM of the N64 from 4 megabytes to 8 megabytes. Now, the list in comparison to the amount of N64 games that have been released, I mean, I, th- I think maybe it's 20, 30 games or something like that that actually takes advantage of the expansion pack, but it's absolutely worth it. Uh, I mean, for like another great game on there is... Uh, uh, what's the one from, from Midway Hydro Thunder, Hydro Thunder, phenomenal game. Uh, <laughs> you can't even like play with multiple players without 
the the expansion pack in it. Um, and again, again, there's games like Donkey Kong 64 that you can't even start up without the expansion pack. Uh, I mentioned earlier Battle for Naboo, Star Wars Battle for Naboo. <laughs> it is night and day the difference between the game with the expansion pack and without, and it's far superior. And again, that's the best way to play that game. Uh, the PC version doesn't even hold up. So you're going to want to get that expansion pack. If you can get it when you buy the N64 dynamite, but normally on its own, it costs $50. Okay. Uh, and there have been like companies like Tommy have made aftermarket expansion packs. Again, this is different from the memory pack. It's not a memory card. We'll talk about memory cards. Okay. But anyway, so let's, so, so do this, this is the order of operations. Okay. Get the console. And again, all you want is the N64 console. Don't worry about controllers. Don't worry about games coming with it. Don't worry about any of that shit. Okay. And if, I mean, and hopefully it comes with its power pack, you know, with like the, the power adapter, which is just this giant thing on the back of it. So weird. Um, make sure you have that and that's it. Okay. So you get that. Then you're going to go look for the expansion pack. You're probably going to have to buy an original one from the nineties. Hopefully it works, you know? And so maybe buy through Amazon because they have such a great return policy. I hate to recommend Amazon, but this is where we are. And again, that's going to run you 50, 60 bucks at least. If I think of it, I'll put some of these things in the show notes. So you, you know what you're grabbing, certainly with the later stuff. Um, again, you're, you're buying original hardware at this point. It's when we get into the accessories that it becomes a bigger deal. Okay. So you've got those two things. You've got the, the console, you've got the expansion pack. You're popping that in. Um, next on the agenda, you need controllers. Okay. With controllers, like I said, getting original N64 controllers is just expensive and hard to do. And overall, I don't think, I don't think you need them. I'm not saying that they're not the best and that they don't feel fucking amazing. And that if you want a really tight control experience, that it's not best to have them. It is. But I think for the most part, you know, unless you're playing like Mario 64, I think you can get by without it. Um, and even then, I mean, this is like speed runners are usually the people that care about that kind of tightness. Um, so a company there, there, there's, there's a few different ways you can go about getting N64 controllers. All right. There is Hyperkin who they, now some of these companies will also sell like wireless controllers. If you're into that, I am not, I want wired controllers straight up. Okay. Direct signal. Just in general, I mean, I know there's people who complain about, boy, you know, nobody makes analog sticks like Nintendo, and, and I hear that, okay? Uh, but I'm far more concerned about, you know, lag time of a controller, and also I hate having to recharge shit all the time, uh, compared to, you know, my concerns around an analog stick's, you know, tightness. So, you know, and, and I've run into this, even with with great controllers, like from 8 and and some others where, like, I'll have it connected to my Android phone, and it's not the Android phone. You know, I'm, I'm playing with a flagship here, okay? Uh, and I feel like the controls are just off by the, especially with platformers, by that many seconds or that many milliseconds that it just fucks it up and it doesn't feel right. So, you know, and could it be the emulator? Maybe but I feel like I experience it in more than one, more than one platform. So anyway, I, I'm not a big fan of wireless controllers. You know, I get it the switch. I mean, you know, like even with the switch, I like to play with, with, you know, hardware, you know, like hardline controlled 
our hardline connected controllers. But that, anyway, that's just me. So there's a couple companies in particular you're going to look for. There's actually three, but one of them is a bit of an oddity. So you can get, let's say, now, in my opinion, you should get used to, if you don't like it, you should get used to the, the, the claw controller, right? Which is the original Nintendo 64 three prong controller that, you know, everybody thought was weird. And I'm with you. It's fucking weird. Uh, but I, I recommend getting used to it because there are those oddball games that are only on the N64. And I think part of the reason they stay on the N64 is because the control scheme just feels strange anywhere else that you use it. All right. However, you can get, you can get four ports. So if you want to pick up four controllers and all of them are a little bit different and you know, when somebody's over and everybody wants to have fun playing GoldenEye, then you can break them out and people can get used to it, how they get used to it. So I don't think it hurts to have a lot of different styles of N64 controllers. Um, even if you're the only person that's going to end up playing it, because it really depends on what you're playing, what controller works best. Uh, ultimately, I think, I think for a lot of people, if they picked up an, an N64 controller from an aftermarket company today, or from like a boutique company today that felt more like a, you know, like a modern controller, like a, or like a, you know, the, the design that people have settled on, like the PlayStation controller or the Xbox controller or whatever. Um, I think they probably feel a lot better, you know, even if the game would be better played with the original three prong controller. Um, that said, so Retrobit makes a great uh, modern styled controller. That's not the three prong type. Um, it's called the tribute 64 and you can get these in wired and wireless. Um, they're, they're a little small, which is kind of weird, but it's fine. Uh, I like these a lot. They were my favorite N64 controller for a long time. Um, until eventually you just cave in and you're like, yeah, no, I, I, I need the three prong. So you can get that from, from Retrobit for the, for a proper three prong controller in my opinion, your best bet is to get from a company that I just love. That is Hyperkin. Um, they're a boutique company that does a lot for retro gaming and some modern gaming, but they have what's called the captain. That's the name of it. Uh, I think they do the best controllers overall for retro systems. Like their PlayStation two controllers. Uh, the brave warriors are, are about the best you can get without an actual PlayStation controller. I mean, the best controller is always the one, the first party that came with the system originally. But again, a lot of times for these older systems, good luck. Uh, the, the captain from Hyperkin will cost you about 20 bucks. Um, the, the tribute 64s from Retrobit can be a little hard to find. They should only cost you around the same price around 20 to $25, but sometimes you have to pay like 40. Uh, they, they can be a little rarer, uh, especially with the supply chain issues. It seems we have today. Um, Hyperkin does also make a wireless controller called the Admiral for N64 that looks a lot more and feels a lot more like, um, the tribute 64 from Retrobit. So, you know, that like, that's an option you can go for as well. Most wireless controllers run in the 40 to $50 range. Um, there's also a company, uh, called retro fighters and they have a controller called the brawler 64, uh, that, is it's meant to be for like every game for the N64, but really it works best for fighting games like smash brothers, um, and, and some others. Uh, but it, it is a very well-designed, very premium feel controller runs you about $35. Uh, it's called the brawler 64 from, from retro fighters. That's another one to have, you know, in your pocket. But I do think with some games, the control setup 
just does feel a little weird, but it's a very, very nice controller. Uh, I just don't think it's for every game. So overall, I think your best bet is the Hyperkin Captain, which again, you know, runs 20 bucks and you can get these in all different kinds of colors too. Um, which, you know, might be nice to, to match up with your, I don't know if you end up getting, you know, like the N64 came in a bunch of different colors over the years. Uh, the colored versions will sell for like twice the money that just the, the plain, like dark gray slash black N64 console will go for. So that's up to you on personal taste and how much money you want to spend. Um, but anyway, all of these controllers that I mentioned, have the slot. None of them have rumble built in, but they all have the slot where you could add the rumble pack. I'm not so hot on the rumble pack. I don't have rumble packs. Um, they get expensive. They also require batteries. And when you buy, I mean, like some companies have made newer ones like Tommy have, have made some newer ones if you can still find them. Um, but I, I'm just, it, it's not, it's not something that gets me, you know, all, all excited. Not most of the time, I just have a memory pack inside, uh, you know, one of my controllers. Now, what about memory packs? Okay. This is where in 2021 alone, like if I recorded this episode, even just a few months ago, uh, we would have had a different recommendation. So in 2021, a remarkable thing has, has started happening <laughs> where, and I don't know what, it, if it's just the retro gaming community, or retro console community has matured to such a degree that now the hottest subject it seems for most consoles is around memory cards for whatever system you're talking about. Like now there's a great, I think retro bit might've made it. Uh, there's a great PlayStation one memory card where you can put in a micro SD card into it. Um, and, and like it has Wi-Fi built into it. it, has a little LCD screen on it. I mean, this it's insane what this thing can do. Um, so th that seems to be like an, an area where people are really concentrating on. And believe me, I'm glad about it. I really am. Okay. Because we're going to get into it by using flash carts to play games. And not all of these flash carts have built in save functionality. Okay. So memory cards still matter. Now, previously for the N64, it's actually not hard, nor is it expensive to get a memory pack. Um, Tommy and Old School, that's S-K-O-O-L, both of those companies, I think, have come out with, with uh, memory packs over the years, and you can usually get them for about 10 bucks. Nothing to it, you know? Uh, the problem is, like, the, the, those, those can, can kind of fill up quickly. <laughs> but even more than that, is these memory packs run off of they're they're battery powered. And I don't mean like they're battery powered where you can just pop out a couple double A's or something like that. You know, they they have the little CR, you know, 2023 or whatever battery or 2032 battery in it. Um that like a watch battery that's that's powering it. And those go bad after a few years. Now you're making an investment here. I mean the system's already 25 years old. You're making an investment here in what in you know in something you're gonna play forever. And so being reliant upon these little watch batteries, you know, BIOS batteries is not, not a good look <laughs> and, and, and it's really inefficient. Um, I was incredibly pleased that, uh, in actually, I think it was in 2021 when they finally updated it, when we got a new firmware, uh, release for the, um, for the Terra onion, uh, mode for the Saturn, where it could save Saturn games directly to the mode. Previously, 
you know, Saturn systems don't even have memory cards and it like the console itself saved it on onboard Ram. And, you know, but that was powered by a little watch battery that every couple of years, two to five years, you would probably have to change. That's a problem. You lose all your save games, right? I mean, and, and, and if you're playing like a good chunk of that library, that can really suck. Or if you are, you know, wanting to play, you know, Goldeneye with everything unlocked, you know, and you want to do that five years from now, you could run into a problem, right? Because even with the, because you, you can't just like pop out and like, and it's a pain in the ass to swap uh, uh, save files between N64 memory packs. Believe me, look into it and you'll go, what the fuck? But anyway, all of these problems laid out, okay, there is now a solution. I don't know how easily you can get your hands on these right now, but they did just come out this year. Uh, and that that is what's called the Forever Pack 64. And Pack is P-A-K. That's an N64 thing. I don't know why. But it's called the Forever Pack uh, 64. And it's a 256 kilobyte uh, <laughs> memory memory card which is actually great for, for the N64 and it's, it's maxed out to what you could do. Um, it's by a company called four layer tech, the number four, then the word layer and T E C H four layer tech. I will link to it in the show notes. Uh, I think this ran around 40 bucks or something like that, but considering what it is worth every penny. So the forever pack 64 uses F Ram F Ram is a, Ram that is, does not require power. Okay. Or does not require a uh, battery power to, I mean, obviously like it, it draws, you know, a bit of power from the action happening, uh, from, you know, from the controller, from the N64 controller itself that it's plugged into. And that writes permanently to the FRAM because with FRAM, again, it doesn't need any power for, for it to hold its state. So it can save effectively it can save, you know, your, your, your save files, your save games on your N64. Uh, well, that's, that's where the name comes from forever pack forever. Uh, F Ram is an, is an amazing thing. It's a slower Ram though. So it doesn't get used everywhere, but for save file games for an N64. Absolutely. <laughs> like you don't need any speed, you know, for, for that. Um, so getting, the, getting one of these, I mean, this is just the only way to go with memory cards for the N64. Um, now, the next thing we're going to get into is flash cards. So you've got your console, okay? You don't have your 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 TV hookups yet, but you got you've got your console. You've got your expansion pack that's going to you know boost the RAM. You've got your controllers, right? You've got your memory pack now, and if you want to get a couple of these, fine. Um, I don't know that there's that many games on the N64 where you'd want to make save games, but maybe, or at least where there's save games you you'd want to keep. Um, but now let's talk about how we're going to actually play the games on the system. This is done via none other than the EverDrive 64. Um, the EverDrive series by the company Crix, and that's K R I K Z Z. Uh, I mean, they make, they make flash, they're called flash carts. They make these for every system under the sun, just about. Uh, and they're always the best, like best in class. Uh, well, granted, like there's some things that Terra Onion could do better at times. And, you know, so 
it's not always true, but most of the time Crick's is, you know, like their EverDrive series is where it's at. Uh, and the EverDrive 64, their latest version is, is just, just fucking amazing. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so it can hold, uh, I think the, so it's a flash cart plugs into the cartridge slot at the top and it itself takes a micro SD card that you put into the side of it, um, that you can easily pull out and remove without taking the actual cartridge out of the console itself, which is a very good thing because pulling cartridges in and out over and over again, you know, can eventually damage the pins and can damage the cartridge slot, uh, you know, and then you have a busted console. So being able to just pull out the, the micro SD card, uh, without having to pull out the cartridge, you know, one and done great. That's awesome. But at the same time, also it is like I just said, one and done. It's also one and done in that a 32 gigabyte micro SD card, which might seem small to most of us today can hold a gig- can basically hold every N64 game ever made. Um, <laughs> like don't worry that it tops out at that because you can put everything on, on there and more. Um, so the EverDrive 64, some games, it allows for the save game and the save state to be saved onto the drive itself. Um, an important thing to keep in mind also is that there are firmware updates often enough to EverDrive flash carts, and that can be done through the micro SD card. So there might be still times where you have to pull out the micro SD card, but you can put every N64 game on there essentially ever made. And that includes Japanese versions, uh, you know, custom ROMs, like, like I mentioned earlier, sin and punishment. You can get a version of that, that had, that is English patched, you know, by just by the, you know, retro gaming community. Um, and that's true for a lot of games that are very worthwhile that never saw, you know, American or European shores. Uh, and you, and you can put them on there, you know, all these different cracked or, or like hacked versions of these games, modded versions of these games, you can pop them on there. I mean, and you're still going to have room to spare. Um, and they'll all play perfectly beautifully when you, when you, when you power on your system, like it just, it comes up to the EverDrive screen and with it, with the controller, you just navigate to which game that you want to play and, and away you go. And when you have a lot of games, you can set up folder structure. Okay. Like you can, you can set up a folder hierarchy in on your SD card and you can navigate that. Like you can set up, you know, alphabetically A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, and that way, if you have every game on there, it's easy to get to some of them without having to like flip through every screen. Cause it's only going to show like 20 games per screen. So I think that's a good idea to do complex folder hierarchies. The other reason I think it's a good idea to do complex folder hierarchies is that the EverDrive 64 can, like other EverDrive flashcards, can actually emulate other systems. Now, it's not, it's not really emulating the N64. The N64 is doing its job natively, okay? But with the EverDrive 64, it can stock play um Nintendo, you know, original Nintendo NES, you know, NES ROMs. So you not only now have an N64, but you also have an original Nintendo. And this is where having some of those other controller types, like the Tribute 64 and whatever, that feels a little more traditional, uh, can be handy. Because when you're playing NES games, maybe you don't want the three-prong controller. Um, So being able to play your entire NES library, including all the modded NES games that have been around over the years. Like, I mean, there's like whole other Zelda games made by fans that are fucking gorgeous and brilliant. Um, you know, that that's, that's an added benefit. It can also, yeah, we're not done yet. It can also play uh game boy and game boy color games. 
Um, it does not. I don't think there's an emulator for Game Boy Advance, but you can do Game Boy uh, and Game Boy Color, which I think that's nice in and of itself. And and it even gives you the options of like colorations, like if you were playing them on a Super Game Boy. OK, uh, I think that that's really slick. One of the things that a lot of people will play the N64 for is like Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Stadium 2, right? Or Pokemon Snap. And so to be able to play like the original uh, Game Boy Pokemon games as well, I mean, it really becomes like the ultimate Pokemon system when you're using the EverDrive 64. Um, so that's a nice touch as well. Uh, there may be other emulators. I haven't looked into it actually in a little while, but I'm sure more may come and EverDrive or Cricks can always add more features uh, via firmware updates to the, you know, to the cartridge itself. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, you know, and keep looking up. I don't know, at least every few months. Okay. Hey, what's new on this? I mean, cause you never know. Fuck. Maybe someday you'd be able to play SNES games. I don't think so, but maybe it'd be awesome if it could play SNES games, right? Because then you'd have one console that could just play so much Nintendo history, uh, you know, a very complete uh, uh, Nintendo history. I think that that would be, that'd be really nice. So anyway, that's, that's part of the benefit because here's the thing. So an EverDrive 64 is going to cost you approximately $200. It's probably going to cost you more than the system itself. That's why I say, yes, this whole process will cost you, you know, a few hundred bucks to do because you're looking at around $100, $150 just to get the N64 itself. Then you're looking at um, with the controllers, even if you're getting two of them is approximately another 50 bucks. Even if you're just getting two, let alone four. Um, and then the memory pack that I recommended, the Forever Pack 64, which I just think is a no brainer to get your hands on. That's another $50 and then add on $200 Plus whatever it costs. I mean, micro SD cards are cheap these days. Plus that, you know, yeah. I mean, you're already looking at 400 some odd dollars, you know, to do this. And for the last piece of the puzzle, because I know you're just like, well, this is all great. You know, again, and, and look, there's no game, by the way, that the EverDrive 64 can't handle uh, on any of the systems that I just mentioned. I haven't run into a single problem with any game. You know, cause you're like, okay, wow, well, this is going to allow me to play every N64 game. This is definitely better than any emulator. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and you know, but how are we connecting it to my television? Right. So here's the deal. Uh, you can get S video ports, you know, like you can go, you could do like the retro tink. You, you could go with like a retro tink setup, like the retro tink X2. You don't have to go with the X5 or anything, which is, which upscales, the best signal that comes out of the N64 natively. And usually that's via an S video cable. Um, it's very inexpensive to buy, you know, RCA slash S video cables for, um, for the N64. I mean, you're talking $10 maybe, uh, you know, to get your hands on those. That's why I say, don't worry if the system doesn't come with it when you buy it off of eBay or something. Uh, but the best way to go is with a company called uh, Eon. E-O-N, E-O-N. And they make, well, they, they make these for different systems, but particularly for the N64, they make what's called the Super 64. And the Super 64 is an HDMI adapter that plugs into the AV port on the back of the N64. And it will upscale all of that, you know, everything that you're doing. And will allow everything to run very natively, you know, via N64. And it does so powered via the N64. So here's the rub, because you might think, well, 
especially when I tell you the price, you might think, well, shit, I can just get like, I went on Amazon and there's an HDMI cable for N64. That's only $25. Why don't I just get that? Those often, a, they'll do piss poor upscaling B they usually have to be powered to work well. And often enough, they also like there's, there's, there's usually some weird screen noise. And I mean, it's super noticeable. Otherwise I wouldn't care. It's very noticeable. And there'll be issues of scaling, especially when you try playing some of the other, uh, like on the EverDrive 64, like when you might try to play like some Game Boy games, the screen could just go black because that, that cheap little adapter, which works well for some systems, like I said, but that cheap little adapter, uh, just, you know, it wasn't meant to work with the resolution of the game that you're playing it with. And so it won't even try to upscale it. So, you can go with, like I said, you can just get an S video cable for it and get a retro tink X2 that runs about $80. Okay. And just let that do all the upscaling for you. And that works great. Okay. You can do that. I'm a big fan of those, of everything that retro tink does, but the, the super 64 is something that just stays in your system and you can plug in whatever HDMI cable that you want. Uh, and it does just an, I mean, just an amazing job. I mean, there is, there is no input lag because usually when you're doing upscaling like this, there's some degree of input lag, none, zero. <laughs> it, it, it's just not there. Uh, and it will take advantage of whatever the best quality signal, because with some games, you actually got a higher resolution when you had the expansion pack in it. Okay. That we talked about earlier when you boost the Ram to eight gig or I mean, <laughs> to eight gig. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to, to eight meg. <laughs> um, so the Super 64, I think, is the best option, but you will pay for the best. The Super 64, it's still made. They've been around for a few years, um, but even when, you know, when they were new and to today, you know, I mean, I bought them when they kind of first came out, and this was some years ago, uh, the Super 64, you know, runs you about $150. It costs at least. And again, I think you can still find them. I'll, I'll try and link to them in the show notes. Uh I mean, fortunately, like these are so popular, even like GameStop will sell them. Okay. So it's not like some niche thing where you have to, you know, sweat it. Uh, and so, so this, yeah, $150. And that, that's, what's ironic is that so much of <laughs> getting an N64 to work on modern TVs and to give you the best experience in 2021 costs more than the system itself, like a lot more sometimes. Okay. But I do think all of it is absolutely worth it. So when you've got an N64 console, you've got your new controllers, that's really the weakest part of this, but whatever, if you want to spend the extra money to, to get like refurbed original first party N64 controllers, by all means do it. But like I said, the ones that I, I mentioned, I think are great. Um, you know, minus the controllers. So when, when you have, you have your console, okay, you've got your, your, your super 64, allowing you to do HDMI and really making these games look gorgeous in 2021. And I mean, really gorgeous. Uh, and then you have your EverDrive 64. Okay. That, you know, and you've got your 32 gig micro SD card, uh, in there that has every fucking N64 game ever made, including mods, English translations, all of it. And you've got your entire game boy and game boy color collection on there. And you've got your entire NES collection on there. And you then, and now when you're playing those, by the way, those do save states on, on the EverDrive cartridge itself or on the, on the micro SD card anyway. Um, and then you've got your incredible, brilliant bit of engineering, uh, 
memory pack. You know, you've got your expansion pack in there, so you're getting the best and the most out of every single game that you play. Um, and then you've got your your Forever Pack 64 for a memory pack, and so your save games are going to live longer than you will, likely. I mean, you're, you're good to go. You, you've got, you've just got this kick-ass Nintendo 64 that's ready the last few decades. And, I mean, I, I just, I love it. I love my system. <laughs> I can never imagine getting rid of it, especially because, as you can tell, over the years, and again, it took years, okay, um, you know, I, I've gotten it to this point, and it's been so expensive, you know, and like, there's there's so much stuff added onto it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a system I'm going to play forever. I mean, it's also, it's my, you know, on, on the big screen, or on a TV screen, it's my favorite way to play NES games, it's my favorite way to play Game Boy games. Uh, so, you know, I keep it around for that as well. So really it's not just a Nintendo 64 to me any longer. Um, but also again, there's those games I love going back to, like I still play battle for Naboo all the time. Uh, and again, it doesn't look as good or play as well. As soon as you get that expansion pack in, you're, you're flying. It's awesome. Um, same with like San Francisco rush 2049. I probably play that the most on the N64 now, but only because of the graphical increase, uh, that, that the expansion pack allows for. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, again, there's not a ton of games that take advantage of the expansion pack, but the ones that do are worth it. You know, like, like you really, really want it, uh, for that. But bottom line being, you know, once you have all of this set up, uh, the N64 is better than it ever was, you know, like, like it's a system that just does more offers more has more. Um, and there are a lot of games. Again, one of the, one of the big things here is that you could think about the, Oh, I wish I could have played this game back in 1998 or whatever, you know, uh, by the way, Oh man, the cruising trilogy <laughs> looks so damn good on these uh, on it now. Um, but you know, you might think of those games you, you, you know, that, that you wanted to play back then and great, you're going to get the chance to play them now. But even more amazing is that again, the retro gaming community is just so diehard and, they have been translating, you know, into English and other languages, a lot of games that only were ever released in Japan that you might've just heard whispers of, if you're lucky that are absolutely worth playing today. Not only that, a lot of people are big on the modding scene of modding Ocarina of time, Mario 64, you know, a lot of the big games to where they're like whole other games. They're like sequels to the games that you played back then. And these are absolutely worth playing. Uh, especially like Ocarina of Time and Mario 64 are two where that's really popular. And I mean, the stories for some of these like modded games are, are so like, some of them are frankly dark, but incredibly engaging. Now, again, some of this, you might feel just fine setting it up and doing it in an emulator. And I get that, but I really think that there's, I don't know, there, there's a special beauty to seeing the console there, letting the console do the business on its own and knowing like all the fun accessories and add on parts and everything, you know, that you got for it. Like that's just, it becomes an experience, uh, that I feel like, you know, in many ways, the computer today, like your average laptop or even your average desktop or whatever, like the, the fun of putting it together has kind of disappeared. Right. And the fun of like adding stuff and upgrading and all that has kind of disappeared. This gives you an opportunity with everything that I described of going through an upgrade process on something that should have never been able to do everything that it can do now. And that is what still excites me and has always excited me the most 
in tech is, you know, making things do things that they were never intended to do, like pushing things to their limits and even beyond. Uh, that's what's always excited me. And in the retro gaming community right now, I mean, part of the reason I like talking about gaming so much, especially in recent years is because this is, this is growing and this is becoming more of a thing. And it feels like one of the last bastions in the tech world where you can do that, where you can do the add-ons, where you can push the limits, where you can do the upgrades and all this other jazz. I mean, I know we can still build PCs today, but fucking a, like how much does it cost to get a goddamn RTX card? You know? <laughs> as to where this this is i'm just i mean I, I couldn't begin to afford that shit you know as to where this and again you do it over the years and you know it, it's totally worth it i love it so and who knows what's coming next year right you know i mean that's the thing is that people will think of new stuff i mean like this memory pack i had my n64 for a long time before forever forever uh uh yeah, four layer tech came out with their forever pack 64, you know, memory card. And that was so exciting. It's like, holy shit, you know, like new hardware for my 25 year old console. That's exciting. I love that. So anyway, I'm going to wrap this up uh, here. There's a lot of fun to have with the Nintendo 64. Again, not the largest game library, or at least not a large library with great games in it. But the great games that are there aren't in many other places. And that makes this system completely worthwhile uh, in 2021 and going into 2022 and beyond. So I'll leave it here and I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Game over. <laughs>